0: going on welcome back it's jay scott it is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast spring is in the air it got up to 70 degrees here in chicago a little bit of windy but compared to it being 32 like three days ago the uh the spring uh chicagoland uh change the old saying is if you wait 20 minutes in chicago the weather will change and that is definitely true so um hope everybody's getting ready for their easter holiday or their passover or whatever holiday you celebrate during this month uh hope you enjoy visiting with the family for a lot of people it's the first time seeing everybody since christmas and we all know by like christmas new year you're already kind of sick and tired of the family you're kind of ready to kind of not see them for a few months but as we get back in the saddle of things uh hope you enjoy um your easter and or maybe when this airs you have already had easter so hope you enjoyed it uh we are part of the pantheon podcast network great network of music related podcasts uh, check them out at pantheonpodcast.com and all social media apps at Pantheon Pods. And check out The Hook Rocks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Hook Rocks. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest and greatest episode. We're approaching 500 episodes and we're approaching our four-year anniversary. So we got a lot of a couple milestones that we've got coming up in the next few months. We've had some great uh, conversations, some great episodes here recently. We just had... Josh Kennedy and MetaDead from The Black Moods and The Dead Deads. We had Jared James Nichols and Tuck Smith. They're going on on tour together. That was a fun conversation. Uh, both those cats uh, talking about getting to know each other and, and uh, getting ready for their tour. We also did our live album review, which was Rush, Exit Stage Left. We had our Professor Skylab talk about audio or vintage audio systems and collecting them. Uh, we recently had Dax Nielsen and Rick Nielsen on, too, as well. And Phil Lewis joined us too from LA Guns, so don't forget to check out that episode. And keeping with the topic of LA Guns, I'd like to welcome my friend, rock journalist Matt Wake, to the show once again. This is, I think, his third or fourth time being on the episode, so always glad to have him and happy to talk with him. We usually talk about new bands and new rock and roll, which we'll always talk about. We can always find an hour or two to to yap about that because there's so many great new emerging rock bands, but there is a band that I just mentioned, um, that has had a rebirth, a resurgence, if you will, over the last six years, a band that was pretty much left for dead, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, they had so many different members going in and out of the band. They had changing singers and the founding members at one point weren't even in the band. um, And they had a nice run back in the day, back in their heyday in the late 80s, early 90s. They were part of that glam scene that came up through L.A. They they never reached the headline status of arenas or places like that. But they had a great loyal fan base and they had some really good stuff, some great albums uh, back in the day. Their first three are are, I would rival any other of those bands during that time period. And the funny thing happened. They released this album called The Missing Piece like six years ago. And that was kind of the the change, the, the rebirth. And here we are four albums later with their album getting ready to be released this Friday called Black Diamonds. And it's their fourth album from The Missing Piece, The Devil You Know, and Checkered Past. And now we've got Black Diamonds. And I have to tell you, these four albums are just off the charts awesome. And if you would have told me 30-some years ago when I was listening to this band and you would have said, Jay, you're going to be listening to this band. You're going to be seeing these guys live In in the 2020s. I would have said, you're crazy. I always say that out of all those bands from that era, there's only one band that is making relevant music, good music, through a whole album, not just a single. There's a lot of bands that release singles that are good, but four albums into this resurgence, they keep doing it. The only other band from that period that I can even compare them to, even though they're completely different, they're not, they weren't part of the glam scene is Iron Maiden with their quality of music over the last 10 years or so. And that band is LA guns. LA guns is doing it. They are the real deal. They knock it out of the park live. They've been knocking it out of the park with their albums. And I'm happy to have Matt join me. Cause we're going to talk about the new album and we're going to talk about this resurgence of what it means for their legacy and what it means for rock and roll. What's up, man?
1: Yo, Jay. Uh, good to see you. Good to hear you. Good to uh, be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Always, man. Always appreciate you coming on. You got the, the Marshall amp and half stack
1: in the background. So you're ready to party. Oh, yeah, man. I'm talking about Tracy Gunn's music. So I got to have some cool guitar gear in the background. So,
0: <laughs> you know, when we talk about this band and their resurgence like I said you know as as I introduced this this episode this band was done in so many ways 10 years ago I mean it was it was almost like a running joke with some websites about how many band members they had going in and out of the the band they had so many different lead singers Tracy wasn't even in the band at some point Phil wasn't even in the band obviously for a period of time and it was it was sad to see that they just couldn't, at that time, quote-unquote, get their shit together. And they only know the reasons. I, I'm not privy to that information, but there was a lot of issues internally. But then all of a sudden, like, the light bulb went on and everything cleared up, and here we are, fourth album in since The Missing Piece, or third album after The Missing Piece, and they just keep kicking ass.
1: They keep kicking ass, and the key thing is uh Phil still can sing his ass off and he still sounds like Phil both live and on record like there are some bands from that era who I love very much where live they the singer doesn't sound like himself anymore and um uh and I know that's a hard thing to uh, that hard style to sing and that's a lot of miles put in, in a lot of shows but Tracy still plays his ass off and I'm I'll be honest with you, like, I almost consider L.A. Guns, they've almost transcended, for rock fans, and I be, would be one of those from, like, legacy band to contemporary band. Like, I'll put, I will put um, Black Diamonds, I would be shocked if a young rock band releases a better album than that. A young hard rock band releases a better album than that this year. Um, I think it's easily top five. Uh, in their um, uh, catalog, and it just play into their, sp- it's like they almost seem like they're kids again. Like you can hear Tracy's drawing from like late 60s on this new record, late 60s, English blues, uh, rock. You can hear Phil pulling from, you know, like the classic British singers. You can hear a little bit of that early 80s, Sunset Strip Metal and um, uh, a little bit of 70s glam and the songwriting's good. And I, I don't know, man, if you had on your bingo card, like. Uh, uh, show me another band from that era that is making these good of albums. I don't care if they're still headlining arenas or stadiums or whatever i i I haven't heard an album better than Black Diamonds
0: I a hundred percent agree like I said the only band that I can compare them to and they're not even the same style is Maiden you know Maiden keeps producing great album after great album you know forty years into their career but Maiden never really had the adversity that l a guns had you know to for a lot of bands would never have kept trying and kept going. You know, they would have been, they they wouldn't even they would have said, forget it. Or if they finally decided to do it, they would kind of live off the legacy that they had in the late 80s, early 90s, and just tour on that. But they're putting out, like you said, great music. Black Diamonds was awesome. Checkered Past was absolutely phenomenal. And as I mentioned to Phil in that interview, there's the evolution of the band from Missing Peace and W, you know, into Checkered Past and now Black Diamonds. Cause it's almost like they, their, their sound is evolving. Like this Tracy's playing, for instance, Um, you know, we had the first single that they, that they had um, called you betray, which is kind of a, a mix between immigrant song and over the mountain, you know, that kind of, (laughs) uh, you know, for, for, uh, you know, for Tracy. And I think Tracy, I think has, accepted, not I mean accepted isn't the right word but found his groove, right? I think he's he's when he plays you can hear the comfort that he has. Like he's in his zone right now. Um and I think for a while he was trying to find that. And I think he he's tapped into something that maybe he couldn't before. He was always a great guitar player, but it just seems like he he was not satisfied with that and he kept trying to get better. Which is, you know, a, a huge thing for any any musician.
1: He sounds like a, you know, fifty something year old kid is what he sounds like to me playing the guitar. Like, um, I mean, he sounds like a you know, a teenager who's funneling through uh, you know, Randy Rhodes and Jimmy Page and Johnny Thunders and finding his own like uh, fingerprint in that. And um I'm it's really impressive. And I'm, you know, those dudes as you've interviewed them before. Uh I mean, Phil, what a cool English gentleman, like, you know, charming rogue type guy. Yeah. I mean I mean, as far as nailing those vocals, man, like he has got some great howls. He's some, you know, I, I think he's maintained his voice, but he also really sticks to what is he's really good at. Like, you know, he has that kind of like lizard kind of like howl. And then he has those screams he puts in every once in a while. Um, uh, and they found these great like Ace, like Johnny, like uh, producer Adam Hamilton. And I believe the current drummer, is it Sean? Um, I, yeah, the name, I, I know there's a studio
0: drummer and now there's going to be a touring drummer.
1: Yeah, and and then Adam Hamilton, the drummer on the records, produces too. It it sounds classic, but it doesn't sound like too retro, but it doesn't sound like we're trying to get on the modern rock station. Like, that's a pet peeve of mine when a classic band is like, okay, we're going to do the production, so we get on the active rock station in your market. Like, uh, they just sound like they're playing and writing the music, that they would want to hear and listen to. Yeah, you
0: brought up a couple of great points there, but let's let me kind of respond to what you said, Phil Lewis. Absolutely, I had a chance to see them at the Whiskey Go Go on New Year's Eve. Oh, I'm jealous! And holy shit, I mean, fantastic, right? I again, there's there's a handful of singers who live the life of that scene. Who can still perform, and Phil is definitely one of them. There's a lot of others that live that scene that can't even touch what they did in the past.
1: And I love them, but yes, yeah,
0: I love them. But when I was watching the show on New Year's Eve, I was with a couple buddies of mine, and I turned to one of them and I go, "Dude, he sounds incredible." Like, because the story is is that I was going to go out 2021 going into 2022, but I got COVID. And I had tickets to see LA Guns at the Whiskey Go-Go. and I had to cancel the trip just because I got sick. I couldn't fly, and I gave my tickets to my friends, and I flew out there again this past December. And they're like, "What do you want to do on New Year's Eve?" I go, "What are you talking about? We're going to see LA Guns because I didn't see them last year." Okay. And we went, and it was it just blew the doors off the place. It just blew my mind, and and Phil just just kills it. And then you got Tracy with this energy up there, and his playing just breathes so so much life into the songs and then like you said ace and johnny especially because they've been on they've been in the band through this whole resurgence and i think as much as phil and tracy are still running the show and still creating and still the names of la guns a lot has to be said for johnny and ace because i think they give phil and tracy because uh, I I've gotten to know Ace because he's been on the show a few times he's but awesome with him, and, with him and Johnny they kind of give them a sense of calm right and I think band members in the past were were maybe self-sabotaging or sabotaging the band or really didn't give a crap of what happened I think Ace and Johnny really have a vested interest in seeing this band succeed and I think that's a huge thing it's a huge difference
1: Oh, they're a perfect fit for them yeah. on stage and, uh, you know, on recordings. And I saw uh, it was a really awesome package this summer with Tom Kiefer Band, uh, L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat. I saw them at uh, uh, Marathon Music Works in Nashville, Tennessee. Good big crowd. The tickets were affordable and like all three bands were good, but L.A. Guns was really good like like and tracy's so like chill like um uh, like you're talking about like uh he seems really just kind of at peace or whatever and i i can't speak to any of that but i can tell you like you know like before they're going on he was like leaning up against the side you know of like uh off to the side of the stage and like warming up playing i think um Diary of a Madman was on the PA and he was playing along with it. I mean, what other guitar hero would do that? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, just uh, secure is something I think that's uh, I think of, but um, I say this and I've told him this, uh, like I've seen pretty much every besides Hendrix, every badass guitar player ever and he's in the top 5 live like i would put him up with prince clapton uh page and uh tracey's definitely in that and, and you know another probably legend uh you know I've, I've seen slash where he's very good and uh just letting it fly um uh nick mars is up there for me too super underrated you know uh You know, uh, but uh, incredible player. And I don't know, I I tell I I think he's uh, Benjamin Buttoned. I think the band is Benjamin Buttoned because it's like, you know, they're not trying to like, Okay, we're going to try to sound like whatever would get us on current rock radio. They're playing this. They're like kids in a garage. But the only difference is. They've got 30 or however many years of experience and chops out the, you know, all over the place and uh, they still can all play and sing. And, um, okay, I want to talk about this album, um, Black Diamonds, Um, for me, a couple of the key tracks. And I love, uh, you know, we, we, we talked to you talked about You Betray earlier, which has that uh immigrant song Monster risk. Oh, and, and what was the over the, the mountain oh yeah, yeah, the Aussie reference love that, okay, so you know, they just put out that video and single for uh the song Diamonds yeah, and it's like the it's like something off dial m t v like if dial m t v existed, that would be like probably number one on dial m t v this week uh like. Uh, great power ballad, cool video. Um, And, you know, Tracy's got a few of those on top of the mountain solos, uh, but he also does some really creative things. Like you mentioned, um, uh, you betray. It's almost like backwards math. This it's like a calculator shredding or something in the coolest way in creative, um, I love uh, on got it wrong. It's almost surf rock is like reverb solo. Um, uh, On the song Babylon, he does kind of, it's not even a solo. It's like an interlude of like Mm -hmm. these octave sweeps. Yeah. Um, And and what it's rare that someone who can play like that will do such a basic thing. I mean, that's virtuosic to me. Um, But to me, I think the three essential tracks that I would tell people from what they haven't heard yet, uh, there's a song called um, Like a Drug. Uh, That sounds like Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from from Mars, like on the Sunset Strip in 1981. Uh, So there's a song called Gonna Lose. I don't think they've released that yet. Have they, Jay? I don't I think, think they have.
0: I don't think they have. That's I, Both the songs that you're mentioning so far, I am in 100% agreement.
1: Okay. So, Gonna use, Gonna Lose starts out with this kind of ethereal, Led Zeppelin houses in the holy, Led Zeppelin yeah. breathing. And then it goes into this just gnarly, snaggletooth, metallic verse. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just love the dichotomy there. Um, and I think the third one from the songs we haven't heard yet, I would probably say, um, I'm going to say shame because okay. it's bluesy and yardbirdsy and there's a great fill screen in it. Um, but uh, let's put it this way uh, it's rare that I pre order vinyl on a classic band's new album and I pre ordered the vinyl on Black Diamonds. Yeah, I pre ordered the vinyl and the CD um I, well you <laughs>
0: checkmate <laughs> well because as the story goes i've told this before i had to get a new car like two years ago it was a two years ago um and i was went to the dealership and i go yeah let's let's see what you got new cars and i kept looking in the new cars and there's no cd players and i'm like why don't you guys got cd players oh they discontinued i'm like okay what's the car what's the last year that you have on the lot with a cd player and he brought me over to you. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> he goes, you're going to buy a car because of the CD player. I'm like, absolutely. I'm like, there's still a little mileage on it. I'm like, I'm game. You know? You're going to
1: love this. Jay, a friend of mine had bought a car without a CD player. And he went and bought a disc man.
0: <laughs> Did he
1: put the little stand that connects to the bottom of the seat on the facility? So, so it doesn't skip. I don't know, man. Disc man was, was he that was the shit back in the day. But, yeah, uh yeah, um, yeah. So, what are t- three essential key tracks on this record for you? Yeah, outside of the
0: ones that we have already heard, I really like "Like a Drug." Um, I like "Crying" as well.
1: Oh, great one!
0: Yeah, and I like if I I have a tie, I would either say "Babylon" or "Got It Wrong." I like yeah. just just the diversity and all the tracks. That's one of the things that really stuck out. With this album, and even with Checkered Past, which was a little, which is different than the missing piece in in Devil You Know. Missing the missing piece in Devil You Know are straight ahead L.A. Guns albums. You know, like there, there's you know no frills, got that punk edge to it, that sleaze rock to it. It's L.A. Guns. These last two albums, when you listen to the songs, there's such a diverse collection of songs there's different influences in a lot of the different songs. I mean, you hear the punk side, you hear the sleaze side, you hear the bluesy side, you hear the thin Lizzy side. You hear a whole bunch of stuff that is just totally killer. And I really appreciate that because it's really easy for a band like LA Guns to just do their sound like they did with The Missing Piece and Devil You Know. And both those albums are great. And I mentioned with Phil on this too, the evolution between those first two albums and now these last two albums it's like they've evolved up until, you know, or, or to missing piece. And then they kept evolving, even though you know, they've been around for, God, was it almost 40 years now? Right. So that's impressive to me is when you listen to the music, I love that they're creating and they're challenging themselves that they're not just mailing it in because as you know, there's a lot of bands from that period that are playing the stadiums and are playing the arenas that mail it in and that's i think the biggest difference between la guns is they still seem hungry they still seem like they want to they want to play they're having fun but they still want to stretch themselves and 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 do something that is meaningful and different
1: okay so i think that's a great observation and i think another thing i would add to that jay is that um uh uh, Tracy has told me in a previous interview That you know He doesn't you know uh, He knows that Phil's going to do Something badass so he wants to Bring it too and I think Some other bands Classic bands have Maybe one of the Key guys that can still bring it and maybe The other guy can't yeah. And I think there uh, that's part Of the uh, alchemy of What makes a great band is wanting to yeah, I want to like you know make it better than just me or him. And he's inspired me to you know uh try to uh throw it all in there. And I think that's something that separates them really, because I think in a lot of classic bands, when they get back together from now to a couple of decades ago, like often one of the two kind of central guy still has it mm-hmm. uh i'm not going to name names here but either the guitar player still can bring it you know or the singer can still bring it you know or, and, or a lot of times the other ones you know yeah. hey man life life happens and that those right. guys put a lot into rock and roll but they had this weird thing where both of the two main guys are still really good and it seems like they've like figured out how like also think of how many classic bands do one reunion album of the main guys and then they go their own separate ways they're having fun yeah they're having fun
0: or they do the initial reunion album and they they become known again and then they start mailing it in. Right? That first usually what happens is that first album that when when a band gets back together is so kick ass and then the other ones never never live up to it or they start doing some other stuff different because like you said life happens, age starts to play a factor, but it's almost like the fountain of youth with LA Guns. And and I've said this before, these albums if you would have taken the first 3 albums of their career and then got rid of all the other stuff that happened after that, and then put missing piece right after that. That those seven albums would rival anybody. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. You know, and 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 I think when I saw them for the first time on the W No tour, not the first time I saw them, but the first time since the the they came back, they were playing like fifteen minutes from my house, and tickets were like eighteen bucks. And it was a Tuesday night or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go see LA Guns. I couldn't get any of my friends to go. Like, I'm gonna go see LA Guns. I'm like, all right. I went by myself and I was I was blown away. And I'm like, wow, this band is really doing something. I'm like, I never would have thought that I would be walking out blown away from an LA Guns concert in 2020. No, it was 2000. night 18 or 19 um when i saw him and i i, I had to tell everybody about it cuz i'm one of those guys that like when i see something that powerful i have to tell like 100 people
1: you're totally that guy <laughs> and, um,
0: and and everyone was like come on come on I'm like no go listen to their stuff go listen to their stuff and i, I haven't found anyone that disagrees with me because it, it's i don't know what they're eating i don't know what they're putting on on their sandwiches that they're eating but whatever it is, I mean, they're tapping into something that I don't even think they knew that they could tap into, you know? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think they always had it in them. But I think with the comfort of them being in this band with each other at this, with Ace and Johnny and Phil and Tracy understanding each other more and knowing when to get out of each other's way, I think that's a big deal. That's a huge deal because... You know, back in the day when you're living that life of excess, it's hard to get out of somebody's way, right? Because you're you're maybe your mind isn't always you know 100 right or whatever it was. Everybody went through that back in the day, but I think there's like a sense of, okay, I know when this person needs to need some space. Okay, I'm going to go do my own thing, and then when they're ready, you know, give me a call. And I think that means a lot to this band, um, a huge. And based on how many people they had coming in and out of the band for years. That's a huge thing for
1: them. I think that I I so I'm not in the band, but I can tell you I'm 51 and I I'm just slightly an idiot now. 10 years ago, I was somewhat an idiot, you know, 20 years ago, definitely an idiot, you know, however many years after that, way idiot, or just you figure out I, I think they have just seeing the big picture it works maybe i can't speak to the inner band dynamics but i will tell you they are playing the music that they want to play and they're not trying to like uh appeal i've I've hit this a couple of times but they're playing the music they want to hear and that's teenagers in the garage shit man and that's when you get the real stuff and um I also think Adam Hamilton, the guy who's produced, been a producer for them for a bit. I think he needs to be appreciated because I'm sure he has a role in, you know, kind of uh, handling some of that energy and um, managing it. And he's getting some cool sounds that sound classic, but don't sound like uh, in a museum. Uh if, it's it's cool to see, man. Like um, I'm trying to even think like of bands from different eras that have done had a run like that for in a row uh, of reunion things. Like it's as good as any. I, I will say that I, I would name a classic band that after the main guy, main two guys, got back together that has had four good albums like that. Like so many years after their debut i can't i mean i, I, I don't want to throw around names here and yeah. get hyper uh, i would think the only one that really
0: comes to mind for me is aerosmith back with permanent that's vocabulary. a good
1: one, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah
0: that's the only one that can really that really comes to mind because you know i'm thinking of guys that, that came together i mean you know even when plant and page got together they had that no quarter album and, and walking into clarksville which was okay it wasn't You know, but um, and and when you think of Aerosmith, that's what began their resurgence too. Was Permanent Vacation into Pump, Living on the Edge, and I forget the other album, the fourth album that they had. But yeah, that's probably the only one that I can think of. Because here is the thing, also that uh, needs to be mentioned: the bands from that era. Once people moved on from from that music. For the most part, especially in the beginning, the music business was pretty cruel to them. Like those guys yeah. couldn't catch a cold after after the grunge movement came in. You know, they couldn't find anything to do. I mean, there were very few bands that were able to survive that period. And I I think it was Eddie Trunk who tells the story about Tom Kiefer, who has made a name for himself in his solo career. And there was a record executive or some people from record company listening to his music. It was like, well, this is really good. Who is this? And someone said, Tom Kiefer. And I go, like, oh, man, is he new? I'm like, no, he used to be in the band Cinderella. And they dismissed it because of that. You know, So these guys have had an uphill battle for whatever reason, because they I don't think they were ever taken as serious as they should have been. But life was pretty cruel for them for about 10, 15 years after the scene went away.
1: I I I think that probably gave them the people who, a a lot of them I think it's given perspective to because you're the king of the mountain and then you're you know uh, kind of a butt of a joke and then uh, eventually you're classic again and then now all things you know on the cool side of babies are cool again like um, that gives you as anybody who's been up and down in life they can tell you that and totally speculative on their part, but um, okay, I got one for you. What's your earliest, what's an early LA Guns memory for, for you? It can be seen live, can be buying a record or tape or CD. It can be seen in a video. What When you think early LA Guns memory, what leaps to mind? Uh, well, the first one immediately comes to mind,
0: and that is I used to ha- have a paper out when I was a young kid and a lot of my money went to music and i remember there is a station in chicago called wvvx 103.1 rpm it was a spanish station during the day and at seven o'clock till midnight it would turn into a hard rock heavy metal station awesome and i would listen to this all the time like i would just sit in my room all night trying to do my homework and then When it was time for me to go to bed, I would take my stereo box or my boom box and put it on the other side of the bed and up against the wall and run my headphones. So when my mom opened the door, she would think that I was sleeping, but I had the headphones in listening to the station till midnight, 1 a.m. in the morning. Awesome. (laughs) And they would play a lot of the stuff from the debut album of L.A. Guns. And I fell in love with it. A song like Sex Action and all that stuff. And I remember getting money one day, it was in the summer, and my buddy Justin and I rode our bikes to this record store called Big Apple Records. It was in Mount Prospect, Illinois, which is about 25 minutes outside of Chicago. And I bought the LA Guns debut album and just listened to that for weeks on end. I think that's all I listened to that whole summer was that album. So that is the, the, Earliest memory that I have with LA Guns. And then I saw them open up for Def Leopard. Uh, it was Def Leopard hysteria, and I think it was cocked and loaded for LA guns. And my brother and his friends had an extra ticket. And, you know, my brother never wanted to take me anywhere because he was four years older. And his friends were like, Oh, just bring him, just bring him. And it was a great show. It was a fantastic show. So um, that was at the old Rosemont Horizon
1: of Chicago.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So those are my two memories. What about you?
1: Okay. So uh, you gave me a good uh, debut album uh, story. And mine on that one, real briefly, is I can remember it like it was yesterday. Going to, there's a chain uh, back in the 80s called Camelot Music. Camelot. That, yeah. A With a K, that, right? Uh, I think it was a C. Okay but um uh, anyway was at the big cool mall in my hometown so i remember driving my 82 silver honda to emlot music uh buying the la guns cassette and just like i mean electric gypsy sex action i mean for a 16 year old it's like yes this is and just blistering like uh that, that debut album is just relentless. It sounds like a street band and like um, just great hard rock. Okay. So a- another good one I have is like um, when the Cocktail Loaded album came out, um, I bought it on CD, but I bought the k- single to Jane, uh the Ballad of Jane. And you know how every once in a while you get a cassette stuck in your cassette player? Mm-hmm. So that was cause, uh, like, there's a great story. Na- Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction had physical graffiti stuck in his cassette player when they were recording one of the Jane's Addiction albums. So I had like, uh, when I I think it was the summer before my senior year or something like that, I had, uh, which, you know, you're like Lord of the teenagers of your town. Like I had uh, Battle of Jane stuck in my cassette player for like half the summer. And it was best time. I never got tired of it. Not once. And uh, I eventually, you know, years later, got to interview Tracy and hear him talk about, uh, you know, uh, the, the amp he used to play on that, which is a Fender Super Reverb. And I always thought there was some kind of weird Hendrixy guitar effect on that. But he was like, maybe some uh, reverb that made it sound kind of washy or whatever. But I mean, If I would have told the dude that drove to Camelot Music uh, in 1988 to pick up that debut that he'd get to talk to the guy just like uh, burning down the solo on uh, Electric Gypsy someday and hear about, you know, uh, how they made that stuff. And uh, so those are two uh, two, to L.A. Gunn's memories for me. Okay, I. I'll throw another one to you. Your all-time favorite Ellie Guns song, your all-time favorite Ellie Guns album. Ooh.
0: Um gosh. <laughs> oh man. I did not expect that one. Um Rip and Tear is my favorite song. And I have to go with the debut um, just because that coming of age moment that 25, 30 minute bicycle ride over two busy streets uh, to get that album. And then drive, you know, riding your bike as fast as you can to get home so you could listen to it. There's just something about even, you know, and, and one of the things that's always been a, a issue, I think, with LA Guns was, was the sonic production of a lot of their music. Um, but there's also some something romantic about it too, at the same time, you know, like it sounds gnarly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I always love things that are like sonically appeasing or, you know, sonically pleasing, you know, but when you hear the early LA gun stuff, it's almost like, and you mentioned, you know, something, you know, this, the sleaziness of it, if the alleys of Hollywood had a sound, it would sound like LA guns. And they are able to capture an energy because of that, that I don't know if it was on purpose or accidental, but it does distinguish their sound so much different than a lot of bands from that period. So in essence, even though it wasn't sonically pleasing, it also is kind of inspiring in a way because they were kind of they wore that badge of of the back alley kids. You know, like with with honor, you know, and and they come. It comes through in that sound. It's not slick. It's not overproduced. It's just guys plugging in and playing and not giving a fuck.
1: And ripping and guys can really play. Um, All right, okay. Well, what's yours? Get out of my head, man. Same ones, rip and tear. There's, I know, like dudes who were like an alternative rock bands in like the 90s who are like
0: man I love
1: rip and tear like uh you know what I mean like who that they rip is just
0: in, so killer.
1: Uh, the whole thing is I mean like can you imagine like ACD I can imagine ACDC doing that song. Like um uh in the debut album it's just sounds like a street band man yeah. just sounds like a uh I, I think all the songs are really good. And, you know, there's some moments where you have, like, the orchestral bit on the, uh, there's a track with that on side, too. And, uh, but, you know, like Electric Gypsy, that's just stinging, just like, I mean, I could hear a Motorhead doing that. Like Yeah, yeah. That would be fucking great. Um, okay, so let's bring it back to the present here. Before we go uh, our separate ways into the night, and I'm kind of like grabbing the steering wheel from. Oh, well, that's fine, man. Uh, what's your favorite Tracy solo on the new record? Ooh, <laughs> you know, Diamond
0: is uh is killer. That is a killer solo, and ooh. I mean, I, I love, I love, you betray. But that's, I, I love the riff on that. Um, the solo is great, but I love the riff. Um, man, I would say, like a drug.
1: Mm. Like a drug. Um, yeah. I'm gonna uh, piggyback on that. You betray. It sounds like R- Randy Rhodes. Bed through like some kind of like a uh, Star Trek machine or something like. Um, and I also love uh, shattered glass. It's just like humbucker lightning. Um, so those are two that come to mind. But uh, but again, like I love that he not everything is always. Pedal to the floor with him, like uh, the kind of surf rock thing on got it wrong or or there's a a super minimal buzz um, uh, kind of outro on shame where it's just, it's it's really minimal, but it's really cool. But um, I don't know, man, I I wish more of my, uh, let's put it this way of all the bands I loved as a teenager. I don't think any of them are doing it like, this and not they're just
0: not I mean maybe a song here and there you know like they'll have a couple songs off an album but through and through I I have said it like there's no one making music like them in you know 40 years after their their well 30 years probably yeah 30 years after their their heyday you know their supposed heyday and what's remarkable too is is I think, they don't have to conform to anything. And I think there's a sense of freedom that they have where they can go in and they can do whatever the hell they want to do. There's no like, we got to keep up with this band. We got to do what this band's doing They're They've set their own tone. They're walking their own path. And that's the admirable thing, too, as well, is like a lot of bands that come back. They come back with. You know trying to get on a bigger tour or trying to do this or trying to make some money. Like, listen, I, 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 I don't get into the business side with what bands are doing, but the music has to come first. If the music stinks, no one's going to go see them anyway. Right. And no one's going to buy their product. No one's going to want to listen to them. They've been able to take that nostalgia that they've had from years ago and merge it with some of the best music that they've ever done. And that's, I think, the special thing. And that's why I keep pounding, you know, my my fist on the desk and say, listen to this band, listen to this band. They're so great. They're so powerful. They're so awesome. And everybody looks at me like LA Guns, because I, I talk mostly about new bands. You know, I talk a lot about the new emerging bands that are coming up, but I talk very passionately about LA Guns because, man, they're just they just like struck a nerve with with me with. Like, man, I I can't believe this band keeps going for it years after. And I think that's so admirable. That's so awesome.
1: And I guarantee you, like you got kind of struck by how good they were live still. I guarantee you anybody who's seen them during that period has become a bigger fan. And the thing that I'll leave it with, Jay, is... A lot of uh classic bands reunions sound like a compromise. They sound like a team again. That's you know, and the team members, right?
0: That's the thing too. You know, like Tracy and Phil obviously, you know, are are the are the the heritage of of the band, but Ace and Johnny, you know, and I they've had some different drummers, but Ace and Johnny I think means so much to their comfort because I don't think you can make, at, at this stage of their careers, I don't think you can make the music you're making if there's too much tension or if they don't want to be there. And I think those guys kind of help, like I said before, create like a kind of a, a, a relaxed atmosphere, kind of like a, a friend atmosphere, because they all seem to be be friends with each other, you know? I mean, in and again... And and friends that have known each other who know how to get out of their other their friend's way when they're when their friends kind of in a shitty mood, it's like all right, man, give me a call tomorrow or give me a call after the weekend. You know, it's like that kind of stuff, right? And again, I'm just I'm just putting out scenarios, but I think there's something to that. That you know, you don't make this music by accident. There are reasons why you have a resurgence, why you have a rebirth. And my last question to you is, if you could go if you could go back and and decide who's on that stadium tour with Motley Crue and Def Leppard are you
1: putting LA Guns on or are you putting Poison um man yeah, okay so at the show i saw in Nashville that was the one where Brett had a medical situation okay. wasn't in play so i can't speak to how they sound now but i will one thousand percent safe i would love to see uh and i think they're not sitting next to the phone waiting for no. this but i would love to see them on a big tour because um i've heard heard people who have heard them i think they played an arena uh with Kiefer and poison and some other people in tulsa i think and maybe some other places they sounded fucking great like i mean they play the venues they're playing like their arenas. I want, I would love to hear them in the right package playing arenas again. And, um, uh, my little bit of LA guns trivia is that, uh, Rick Rubin was interested in producing cocked and loaded. Really? Yeah. And, uh, so that didn't work out, but, um, Interesting to think where that might have gone. As we close. That's my door. understanding. I know he was introducing and producing Ben. I don't know if I can say he was introduced because I think they got uh, G- uh, Michael James Jackson, who did. Uh, no, no, no. That, uh, wrong. Um, I think that's Tom Worman still. Um, Hollywood vampires was uh, Michael James Jackson, who did Creatures of the Night.
0: Yeah, Creatures of the Night with Kiss, yeah.
1: I know that Rick Rubin, I have been told that Rick Rubin was interested in producing LA Guns in that era. So I would have loved to have heard what they would have chopped up.
0: As we close, obviously this new album's coming out, but do you think this band just keeps doing what they're doing here? I mean, do you think that they're, you know, do you think they're thinking about what the next step is with this with this new I'm on the verge of coming out? Or are they just kind of in the moment?
1: Um, My outsider perspective is that uh, I think it's interesting that Tracy keeps as busy as he does, like the stuff with Michael Sweet. He has a record in the can with Jack Russell from Great White that I've heard. is pretty interesting. It's different. I I believe other people wrote the songs is what I'm told. And it has almost like a queen feel at certain points is what Jack told me. But um, uh, I think uh, they just keep making music and going from, you know, their hearts, man, and their gut. That's what and I think they're successful enough and uh, but not they don't have so much pressure to. Uh, do certain things or fit in certain lanes or uh, I think they're in a pretty cool place for a creative uh, person in that things are going good, but not so crazy over the top. Good that, you know, you've got uh, however many other people pointing, uh, sticks at you to do this or that. So, um, I I think they'll keep on keeping on and, uh, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. Well, Matt, it's been a, a
0: great conversation, great talk. Love always uh, having you on the show. And this is uh, a band that I'm pretty passionate about, and you are too. So glad to have you on and glad to uh, talk about them and talk about this album. The album is out on April 14th, so it's Tax Day weekend. So when you're on the uh, on the way to the mailbox... Uh, to to put your taxes and give money to the government. You can go on any streaming service and listen to the new LA Guns album, Black Diamonds on Frontier Records.
1: Thanks for having me, uh, Jay. Good as always. And uh, always enjoy talking LA Guns. All right, man.
0: Thanks again to Matt Wake. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Take care of each other. Stay safe and we will talk soon. Thank you.